I want to jump uh, right into the message, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 13. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But that's, that's pretty good right there. That's a good opportunity just to say amen or clap your hands or take a deep breath. Or, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I, I, don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but God is building his church. The Bible teaches us that the only thing that Jesus is building is his church. We're busy building all kinds of things. Jesus is busy building his church. And right now we really believe this is that we are in the middle of a special, just the beginnings of a really unique move of God. And I want to tell you a couple things that are are characteristic of a move of God. You can look throughout history, and you can look at common denominators that happen in moves of God. Azusa Street Revival, the Welsh Revival, different awakenings, different moments. And I'll tell you a couple things. One is there is renewed commitment to the Bible as the Word of God. Whenever there is a move of God's Spirit, you see this resurgence of people going back to the Bible. It just seems right, doesn't it, that that our culture is so opposed to the Bible being the Word of God right now, and it just so happens that every great move of God is a return to the Word of God? Man, if I was the enemy, I'd be doing the same thing. Let's try to discredit the thing that gives validity to every move of God that's ever happened in history. There's a resurgence of move back to the Word of God. There is a return to holiness. That one's doesn't get very many amens, but, but this, this is true. In our culture, we have seen a complete attack against any type of holiness, righteousness, or standards. It's religion, it's legalistic, it's abuse, it's, it's, it's asking too much. And I want you to know something. The Bible teaches us that we are supposed to be holy as he is holy. That, that wasn't like some church's idea. That was God's idea. And whenever in history there's been a move of God's spirit, there is a return to holiness. Holiness is not legalism. Holiness is an awareness of God's heart. You could say that wherever there's a great move of God, there is a return of repentance. Repentance is not me loathing over my sin or my condition. Repentance actually means just to turn or to change my mind. It means to turn 180 degrees. It means I was after this, I'm going to turn, and I'm going to go after this. I'm I'm changing directions. In every great move of God, there's a rise of radical generosity. You can see this throughout history, that whenever God began to move, is that people began to be generous. They would begin to sow into the kingdom of God. They would begin to sow to advance the kingdom. In every great move of God, there was a new level of dependence on prayer. 
You can study this throughout history. Is that when God began to move, people began to just have this burden to pray. You know, it's been interesting the last couple months. People have been coming up to me or messaging me. And they say, Pastor, I don't know what's going on, but I, I just feel called to begin to pray. I, I just, Pastor, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just starting a prayer meeting in my house, and I'm just praying for God to move. I don't know what's going on, but in my personal life relationship with Jesus, I just feel this burden to pray. Do you know that people have been calling us, texting us, messaging me, saying, I just feel led to sow financially into what God is doing. You know, last week, we had people that met me at the doors that were repenting of sin. They just were convicted, not condemnation, convicted, and say, I want to be free. I've been going this way. Everything that I'm explaining to you in a move of God, we have begun to see an increase in over the last couple months. And then this last one, this is what we're going to talk about today. A fresh revelation of Jesus. In every great move of God, there is a resurgence or a, or a renewed revelation of who Jesus is. Matthew 16, our text, Jesus asked this question to his disciples. He says, who do you say? Or he says this first before he asked them. He says, who do people say that I am? What's everybody saying? What's the word on the street? He said, I was with a buddy, came into town a couple weeks ago, and, and uh, he hadn't come into town for a little while, and he, he had been around here in the past, and he said, what's the word on the street about me? And I was like, Man, what, 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 do people, what do people say? You ever, you, ever wor- you ever wondered what people say behind your back? It's a scary thought. Don't think about it too long. You'll be depressed or anxious. Well, what do people, what do people say about me? People are way nicer to your face. Than they are behind your back, right? They're, 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 they're way nicer to your face than they are on the keyboard. I found that to be true as well. It's like the keyboard gives people boldness. It's so crazy. They will never say it here, but right here, I mean, they are just like a lion. It's wild. It's, 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 it's interesting that Jesus asked them, who do people say that I am? Then he takes it further because they say he is, maybe he's a prophet, maybe he's Elijah, maybe he's John the Baptist. He said the word on the street is that you're a great teacher. The word on the, te- on the street is that you're a great prophet. All of these things were good things, they just weren't the right thing. And I'm concerned that the church of Jesus Christ has misidentified Jesus. It's not that we're building on the wrong things. We just haven't identified him as the only thing. Friends, if the church is not built on Jesus, it is not his building. The Bible teaches us that the church of Jesus Christ is built on Jesus Christ. If it's not built, if it's built on a brand, if it's built on popularity, if it's built on money, if it's built on persuasion, if it's built on anything other than Christ, It's outside of Christ. It has to be built on him. So Jesus then takes it further. He says, all right, that's what other people say. Then he asks this question. This is a question that we all have to answer in our relationship with Jesus. He says, who do you say that I am? Many people come to church just based on the opinion of who Jesus is to them. Many churches, ministries, nonprofits are built and are established not even on personal revelation, but on the revelation of the pastor or the revelation of a mentor or the revelation of a leader. But Jesus pulls it down to you. He looks into my eyes, into your eyes, and he's asking this question Who do, who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Who am I to you? Growing up, I, I was, 
had a problem with being over-competitive. In fact, I still have a problem being over-competitive. I'm just competitive, okay? So nobody likes to lose. I, li- I, like, I like to win. And, uh, and so I- I'm-, I'm a competitive person, but it got me in trouble uh, a lot of the time, and I had to stop playing City League basketball because I was losing my testimony. People are like, aren't you the pastor of them? No, I'm not a pastor. I was like, I was denying my occupation. I wasn't denying Christ, but I was denying my occupation. I don't even know what a pastor is. What are you talking about? So my temper was flared. I like, I like to win. But here, here's this crazy thing about me is that um, people, a lot of people don't know this, is I like to barely win. I don't know what it is, but I feel compassion for people. If I just, any sports, if I'm just blowing them out of the water, I'll just like let up a little bit. I don't know what that is. That's not good, all right? And it really, it really hurt me growing up with video games. You know, I'd just be blowing somebody out in Madden 95. And, and, and then I'm just kind of feel bad. I start doing like Hail Marys and trick plays, kind of let them back in. And I would end up losing sometimes because of my compassion. And it's just like, man, yeah, I'm kind of let them back in. Now, if I barely win, that's how I like to do it. I like to think that you, I like you to think you have a chance. And then at the last second, I just like to, I just like to win. Sometimes, honestly, I don't even mind losing if I know I could win. I think that's an old thing. I'm getting older because I used to have to win at all costs. Now I'm okay losing as long as it's on my terms. Yeah, I could have won, but I, I let you win. I think maybe that's having two boys. It's like, you know, you got to let them win sometimes. But you know, if push comes to shove, you can establish dominance in the house. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 was, um, I was getting, when I was playing sports growing up, I got a reputation of having a short temper and being too competitive. And uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't like that reputation, obviously. And, uh, and I had to change some things in order to change it. And, and I, was, I was thinking this week, I think, you know what, Christianity has kind of gotten a bad reputation. It's got a bad, I think that we misidentified Jesus and we have an identity crisis in the church. We thought somewhere along the way that the church was supposed to be popular, that the church was supposed to be built and established for us, that the, I knew it would get a little quiet in here. The, the church is built on Jesus and it's for him. Our lives are not for us. They are, I know this is counterculture. I know this is not popular. I know you're probably not going to come back next Sunday, but I'm going to still tell you anyways because I love you enough to tell you the truth. And if you really want to find freedom, if you really want to find peace, if you really want to find joy, if you really want to find fulfillment, then you have to understand that God was not created for you. You were created for God. So if you're not careful, you can fall into the trap of the bad reputation of the church, which is to please people, to please, to, to, to just be a brand, just to have some type of identity, to be another nonprofit, to get consumed with social justice, which we believe in. But the first call of the Christian is to be Christ-like, and the call to be a Christian is above every other persuasion and motivation. We have to, before we are anything else, have to be the church of Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? I know the other people think I'm a prophet or a teacher, but what is the revelation to you? And this is what he said in, in, uh, in, in verse 15. He says, in verse 15, he says, But who do you say that 
I am. We need a revelation of Jesus. We need a fresh revelation of who he is. Did you know that when you see him correctly, it'll change everything about how you live your life? On the flip side, if you see him incorrectly, it will change everything about how you see your life. Let me just tell you a couple things about seeing Jesus correctly. If you see Jesus correctly, you will see yourself correctly. And the opposite is also true. If I cannot see Jesus correctly, I cannot see myself correctly. If I don't see Jesus correctly, I am who I am and what I've done. If I see Jesus correctly, I am who he says I can be. And I'll prove it to you. In the passage in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to Peter. Peter didn't always have the name Peter. His name used to be Simon. When, when Simon identifies Jesus, his name had not yet been changed. So Simon says to Jesus, in response to Jesus' question, who do you say that I am? Simon says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You are the one true God. And I want you to look at what Jesus' response is to Peter in verse 18. And he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. Watch this. He says, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, good job. And you are Peter. As soon as Simon identified Jesus correctly, Jesus flipped the script and said, now I'm going to identify you. The problem with our culture is that we are hell-bent on finding ourselves for ourselves. We are obsessed with our dream and our ideas and our passions. In fact, we build our entire lives to try to make a good life for us. Can I just help you with something? If the world's way was working, the world would be happy. Follow your heart. Chase those dreams. You can do them. Soar. Spread the wings and soar. What do you want to do? You can do anything you put your mind to. Go attain, achieve, accomplish. What's in your heart? Find those dreams. We even spiritualize it sometimes. God wants you to accomplish all those dreams in your heart. Can I just tell you something? If you have not identified Jesus correctly first, you will chase the wrong dreams. Look, I know this isn't popular, but the world says chase your dreams and find yourself. The Bible says lose yourself and die to your dreams. So glad you came to church today. Smile break. The Bible teaches us the gospel, the good news. This is wild to me. Look at what the enemy has done. He has tried to get us to believe a lie that says this. If you could find yourself... You'll get what you want. You'll accomplish your dreams. Which in fact, God knows because he loves us and created us that finding our dreams and finding ourselves will only result in unhappiness and us losing ourselves. It's why Jesus said, if you want to find your life, you have to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Now just think about this. How much of our life is self-preservation? I mean, we give our entire lives to making a good life for me. And I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have a good life. In fact, Deuteronomy chapter 28 says that God's given you the power to make wealth. Now before you get crazy on me, there's, there's two views in the, world, in, in the church. Either poverty or prosperity. 
And as regular with God, God's never found in the extremes of our viewpoints. He's usually found right in the middle. Politically, he's in the middle. With your theology, he's in the middle. With your philosophy, he's, he's in the middle. We, we always take poverty. I'm just going to give everything. I'm going to be poor for Jesus. Oh, God wants me rich. He wants me to be a billionaire. He wants, you know where he is? He's somewhere in the middle. He wants you to be a conduit. God wants to bless you with resource so that you can be a blessing to his kingdom and to his people. God wants you to have, not so that you can become great. God wants you to have so that you can be a dispensation center, a conduit of his resource to his people and to his church. We are so focused on finding us that we use our whole life trying to find something that we'll never find by trying to find me. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Simon which actually means weed wavering in the wind. It means a reactor. It, it, it's, it's not an initiator, like someone would speak, that's initiating. Listening is a reaction. Simon means a reactor. So he's reacting to culture. He's reacting to what's popular. He's reacting. And as soon as he identifies Jesus correctly, Jesus says, and now your name will be Peter. And on this rock... I will build my church. You know what Peter means? Peter means rock. He says, you were, before you identified me correctly, you were what you've been and what you've done. But now that you've identified me correctly, you are who I say you are. You are what I put in you. God always calls you according to your potential. The enemy always calls you according to your past. The person that's reminding you of all of the mistakes and all of the failures in your life, that's not God. It's you and the enemy. God's trying to remind you of what he put in you. He's trying to unfold and help you discover the good things that he's put in your life and in your heart. Simon means weed. Peter means rock. Once Peter identified Jesus correctly, Jesus turned and identified him. If you see Jesus correctly... You'll see yourself correctly. Number two, if you see Jesus correctly, you will see your purpose correctly. If you don't see Jesus correctly, you can never find your purpose. Because if you don't see him correctly, you will always try to find a purpose that is in your heart. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do things for me. I'm trying to make this life, I'm trying to build this life on my hard work and effort. I'm trying to make it because of my strength and my giftings. If I don't see him correctly, I won't build on him. Now, this is what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Now, cornerstone is an interesting study. If you begin to study what a cornerstone is, a cornerstone is, cornerstone is a foundation stone. It's the keystone with which the rest of the house is built around. It establishes the parameters and the pattern of the house. So Jesus is the cornerstone. He establishes the patterns and the, the, the parameters of the house. My purpose only becomes truly realized when that purpose is built on the chief corner. Stone. This is what the Bible says, that me and you are living stones. And that we all make up the church of Jesus Christ. The 
you, you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are supposed to be built on the cornerstone. Well, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. Impossible. Stop it. You're, you're in complete error. You cannot love Jesus and not love his church. That's impossible. You, can, you cannot do it. Well, I, I love Jesus and I got my own ministry outside of the church. You better be planted in a church. Because the church is what Jesus is building. And the church is, Jesus is not the chief cornerstone of your nonprofit. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of the church. So everything we do, whether business, marketplace, entertainment, media, nonprofit, social justice, any type of ministry has to be built on the chief cornerstone, which is Christ. If I see him correctly, he's Jesus. He's the chief cornerstone. Then I will see my purpose correctly, and I'll build according to pattern. This was Psalm 118, verse 22. It says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. It's prophesying Jesus. The Jesus who was rejected among men. I think we forget about that. Just, just side note. Did you know that Jesus said that we would be hated that's what the Gospels teach us. Everyone's like, what version does he read? Is that the Passion Translation? He, the, Jesus said this. And then you know what's amazing in my life is why I'm so surprised when people hate me. Jesus said, you will be hated for this message. And I'm like, why, why, why don't they like me? I don't want to be hated. I was so surprised at the things that Jesus said. He said, in this world, you will have. I know it's encouraging this morning. It's like, man, I'm so glad I came to church. I'm going to be hated. Trouble is going to fill my life. There's a reason God establishes and lines out this pattern. is so that you build on the right foundation. And you pursue the right thing. And this is what we'll close, close with. If you see him correctly, you will see yourself correctly. If you see him correctly, you will see your purpose correctly. If you see him correctly, and listen to this, you will see God's plan correctly. See, most people make a separation between their purpose and God's plan. But you got to understand that God is the chief architect that means he knew you would be here. In 2021, he knew on this Sunday that you would be in church today. He knew that you'd be listening to this message. He, he knew it. And so as the chief architect, he put purpose in you that will help us build his plan. So my purpose in my life is not to build Dustin's plan. The purpose of God in my life Let's say, let's say you play professional sports. The purpose in your life is not to build a brand for you. It's to use your gifts to advance God's plan. Let's say you're an educator. It is not to build a platform for you. It is to be, use your purpose in connection with God's plan. Let's say you run a nonprofit. It's God's purpose in you. Does this make sense? It is not my purpose apart from God's plan. It is God established me on this planet at this day, at this time, so that I can fit perfectly hand in hand with his plan. His plan, I don't know why he chose us, but he did. His plan will only go forward when we are 
fulfilling our purpose. If your purpose and God's plan are designed to go hand in hand. I've been living by this statement all my life. If you build his house, he will build yours. Friends, this, this is the, the countercultural revelation that could change your life. The world says, pursue you, pursue self, pursue your dreams. And the Bible says, lay it all down. Lay it all down. And behold me. Catch eyes with me. I remember when I was called into ministry when I was 19 years old. I remember what my answer was. I've told you guys this story sometimes before. I was, I was 19 years old, and I was in an old church meeting, and we're having a church meeting. A missionary was there, and he's talking about going overseas. And he says, man, God, God's calling some of you to be missionaries right now. He's calling you to leave everything and go overseas. And God was so moving on my heart that I jumped up out of my seat and came forward to the altar. And I said, okay, God, I'll go. I thought I was, I thought I was going to Africa. I thought like, oh man, here we go. My, my mom's crying in the front, like, why are you responding? You know, stay here. I'm like, I'm going, mom. My answer is yes. But God used the yes to direct me into his purpose. See, this is the thing, is we, we, we try to plan it all out. I want to tell you what God's looking for. He's looking for that laid down life. He says yes. God, these things are not going my way. Okay. I, I just yield my rights to those things going my way. I just, I trust you. I trust, I trust your plan. I trust your way. I trust your pattern. This is, this is so crazy. God's using, he uses us with our purpose to fulfill, fulfill his plan. In our text, Jesus is speaking to Peter. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. It's awesome. But I want you to see something so cool. In, in, in this passage of scripture, in the Greek, says that, I tell you, you are Peter, which is the Greek word petros, which means a small piece of a bigger rock. So this is what Jesus is telling him. He says, I'm going to tell you, you had rightly identified me. Now let me tell you something about you. You're going to build my church, and you are Peter. You are, you ever heard that phrasing, a chip off the old block? This, this is what Jesus is saying to Peter. You're a chip off the old rock. He says, you're a small piece of the big thing I'm doing. You're not separate from me. You're not, it's not going to work separate from me. I'm the chief cornerstone. you got to build the house on the cornerstone. You're a, you're a part of this. He says, you are Petros, a piece of a larger rock. And on this, and then the Greek word changes. On this rock, and it's Petra, which means a large rock, and it's in the feminine sense. And this is interesting. The, the, the masculine sense of the word changes to feminine. What, what does the Bible say that, that the church is the what of Christ? The bride of Christ. He says, you are a chip off the old rock. And on this rock, what rock? The bride of Christ. I will build my purpose, my plan, my bride, my church. Every single thing that God is doing in us is to build his church. Every single gifting God put in you and in me is to build his church. You can pick whatever church you want to go to, but you better make sure that you're building and that you're working and you're attending the church of Jesus Christ. Friends, if you want to be fulfilled, if you want peace, if you want the things that God's promised to you, then you have to make sure 
that you're not pursuing those things, but laying down those things and saying yes, yes to him. It's a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. This week, we had staff chapel. We have once a month, we have staff chapel, and we have people come teach. And Pastor Steve Collins, our founding pastor, was teaching. He was teaching this message on humility. And he, he's talking, everyone's getting convicted because humility's hard. And, and, uh, but he said this phrase, and then I didn't even hear the rest of his message, so I feel bad. I'm going to have to look at someone else's notes. But I got distracted because he said this, and I know this to be true intellectually, but God began to speak to me so clearly. He says this, he says, God was not created for us. We were created for God. Now, I know that intellectually, but I just paused, and I was distracted for the rest of the time. I didn't even hear the rest of it. I'm sure it was good. But I was sitting there thinking, even sometimes the way we build church is with the assumption that God was created for me. Even the, some of the songs that we write and we sing are from the stance, God was created for me. But you know what worship is? Worship is understanding I was created for Him. Worship is not a song. Did you know when you work in the place that God's called you to, that that's worship? Because you are being a living stone built on the chief cornerstone that is advancing his plan. And you're doing, this is what, this is what the New Testament says. It says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. You're working at Chick-fil-A, do it as unto the Lord. You're working at In-N-Out, do it as unto the I'm hungry. Do it as unto the Lord. Can you, I just think, all I can think of is restaurant jobs right now. If you're working at Fucker to Chow, do it as unto the Lord. If you're working at Del Frisco, do it as unto the Lord. Whatever restaurant you like. I'm getting a steak today. <laughs> Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. We need a fresh revelation of Jesus an obsession that takes us over I was meeting with the staff this week and uh, we were talking and, and we were just saying man we sense God doing something and so we just opened up the, the staff meeting and said what are you guys sensing everyone's talking man we can sense God doing something we, we sense this or we sense that we, we hear God saying this and, and, uh, and, and you, know, you know what I started thinking in my mind I started thinking man God's doing something now how do we fit what God's doing into our prearranged calendar that we already have planned out and the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly as if I should know this already Dustin your calendar has to bow to my calendar we don't fit the move of God into our calendar we fit our calendar into the move of God I'm just going to tell you sometimes there are divine moves of God's spirit that you got to rearrange your priorities you've got to work around your schedules you got to make time to be in prayer you got to make time to be in church you got to make time to serve we got to just create time for prayer meetings we got to just we, this is this is an opportunity for God to do something so substantial and so amazing I'm telling you this about church 1132 we are not looking to just be a church in the city we are not looking to just be another place that does good things. We are not trying to just have a big church with a big brand with a name of numbers. 
We are trying to transform cities. We will not stop until we see cities trans cities transform. We will not stop until we see cities saved and schools turned upside down. I just want you to know what you're in for. The plan of God is not partial move of his spirit, not partial salvation, not a full church or a full building. It's that cities would be saved. It's that cities would be transformed. And I'm telling you, God's stirring this. He's beginning this move. And he's looking for living stones to build on the chief cornerstone. I'm not the only stone. We are all a part of this big plan. Pastor, I'm really busy. I travel for work all the time. God has me in all these different places and all these different cities. Praise God. And use that purpose that God's given you to be a living stone on this chief cornerstone and move God's plan forward.